Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And this week we're talking about joints. Something we maybe experience in perimenopause, but not the most common conversation that we're having. And I'm delighted today to be joined by Kathy White. She is a yoga teacher, she's an art therapist, and a life coach. And she's based in Canada these days. And she has developed a yoga system that is about joints and joint renewal. And I'm fascinated to learn more about what her journey was that brought her to this place and what it can do for you if you're in perimenopause and your joints are maybe playing up in ways you hadn't expected. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Clarissa. Just delighted to be here. Yes, I mean, begin at the beginning. I mean, talk a little bit about your own menopause journey, because I believe this is where you know, your interest in joints and, and, and the experiences you had led you to teach yoga differently. Yes, that was exactly it. Because when I hit perimenopause in my late 40s, 50s, I'd been teaching yoga at that point for, gosh, about 20 years. And yet my yoga practice stopped working for me. And my joints were really aching and sore and I'd get out of bed and I'd feel like an old woman and I'd just like creak around eventually. But, you know, later on in the day, it would ease. But that stiffness that I'd never really experienced before was quite shocking to me because I suppose I had that reference of, but I'm a yoga teacher. <laughs> I'm doing my practice regularly. This shouldn't happen to me. And uh, which I, I think, you know, a lot of us women have that kind of when we go through menopause, we think we're doing lots of really good, healthy things. And then we get surprised and shocked when our body has a different reaction. Right. So I yeah. started looking. I mean, I almost gave up yoga at that point. I was just like, well, what's the point? It's not doing anything. It's painful. It's... So I almost gave up yoga. And then I started searching around and looking for other teachers. And, you know, I loved my teacher at the time and I loved what I was doing, but it just physically wasn't giving me the right feedback. And eventually I came across this yoga process called Kayut Yoga, which is in Brazil. And I connected with the teacher. And before I knew it, I was doing the training, the teacher training. It's a retraining in this, in this new methodology. And, and I really took it on board as this is the joints that I need to get into. It's like, forget the stretching, 
forget the trying to become mobile through lengthening the muscles and the ligaments and the tendons. It's the joints. I need to get into the joints because then it's almost like I got it the wrong way around. I thought having loose, not loose, but flexible, flexibility came from extending the muscles and stretching. And that's what we're taught is stretch, 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 and we'll, and we'll be mobile. But this methodology that came to me was, oh my goodness, if I go into the joints and really lubricate and put WD-40 into my joints, I, then the muscles respond. It's like they, they, they suddenly go, oh, this is an open joint. This is a joint that can move in all sorts of directions. I better be ready for that. And so you get the muscle tone, but as a consequence of the joints being mobile. Oh, wow. That, and that is so different. I mean, as a yoga practitioner who's been doing yoga for 30 years, that really is an eye opener for me too, because it's always been about, you know, the fascia and and this sort of stretching, even if that stretching is slow, uh, as the key to yes, mobility. Yes, exactly. I mean, but what then is wrong with yoga apart from that? I mean, a lot of women are obviously being encouraged to do yoga. It's become um, quite central to even the British Menopause Society guidelines. So what is it that's not quite working for, for women? Then? Yeah, I think within the yoga field, unfortunately, it's been coupled with, uh, it's ended up in gyms, let's put it that way. And and I think of one class, I'm going on later today to go teach my class that I teach locally in a municipal gym um, here on Vancouver Island. And I've got people outside the door pumping weights, running in machines, doing their cardio, you know, having their spin classes, and which is all fine. It, that's all well and good. I'm not saying don't do those things. But what I'm saying is that yoga has a different place in our lives and one of the main tenets of yoga is that it actually calms the nervous system and so all those other fitness cardio this that and the other um are about you know engagement activity energy you know building muscle strength all the rest of it and they don't for the large part they don't help you calm down they're all about adrenaline. They, 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 they boost you up. They, they push you on. They, you know, you, you get your drive. And what yoga does is actually regulates the nervous system, which is so needed. And especially for women of, of, that, of our age who have had busy lives, busy careers, raising kids, running a family, running a business, doing whatever they're doing. It's like to have a time where they're not still in that mode, which is what the gym does. It just keeps you in that mode, right? And so this is your time to actually engage in a kind of moving meditation, a pause, a, yeah, a, a, a relaxing point. And because yoga has been 
coupled with the fitness industry, a lot of yoga teachers get it wrong. So their focus isn't, the priority doesn't become, maybe they do a little shavasana at the end and that's lovely. Um, but the priority of the class has become fitness rather than calming the nervous system and regulating the whole body into a place of harmony. Yeah, and I think I can agree with that. As someone who started her yoga practice in the sort of 80s, you know, so I was felt that I was sort of somewhere probably like you at the forefront of this. Um, used to practice in quiet village halls, in people's homes, um, in, in healthy centers where people were exploring initially things like reflexology and shiatsu. And it certainly was never seen as exercise in those days. It was a well-being yes. practice. Um, it was when I got to Australia and I saw it suddenly in the heart of gyms. Uh, people talked about, like you said, how how hard the postures they could do were. And I thought, well, I've never stood on my head. That never happened in my class. And that seemed to be that you were pushing quickly to be able to do what are really quite advanced and quite difficult postures, which are based on stress. Yes. Well, and, and let me say there, Clarissa, just to interject that those postures were designed by the yogis thousands of years ago who lived probably in a more agricultural-based society where they were up and out and doing stuff with their bodies every day. Our bodies in today's society are actually quite fragile. We don't have, you know, we've been raised sitting at desks as school children, you know, which we've got hours and hours and hours of watching telly, sitting in restaurants, the seat culture, you know, chair, sitting in chairs is the new smoking kind of thing. But that fragility that then occurs in our body, if we throw our body into doing some of these fancy yoga poses, standing on your head, well, we don't have that neck strength. We've been like bringing our heads down to look at devices for all our lives, yeah. you know, especially if you're a young person. Um, and and that, mm -hmm. that then requires us to go back and go, okay, so what are the foundations? What are the fundamentals of yoga that the ancient yogis were pointing to? And that to me came as it's the joints, it's the mobility of those joints that they're looking to get flexible. And because they already had a degree of flexibility, then they started doing these amazing, incredible poses. But we're not ready for that. No, we're not. And and I've got friends who are osteopaths and acupuncturists and they say, oh, here comes another person with a yoga-related yes. injury. Yes. Because, and he uh, actually was my acupuncturist, said, you are not no. to stand on your head. Please don't do it. Roy said to me, you're going to compress your neck. You're going to put too much pressure on your head. And it, it, just, it just isn't necessary for you to do that. And so I actually stopped. Um doing things yes. like headstands because I felt that they were not actually that beneficial to me. And, and if I'm right, Kathy, I mean, in traditional yoga, people spend years doing one or two key postures. I mean, we throw people into a six-week or three-week training uh, without a teacher that stands by you and supports you. They stand on a podium and they're young and flexible and we're, we're not. <laughs> And then we don't really learn the foundations, no, as you no. say. And really the foundation of a, of a proper yoga practice is body self-awareness. 
and that that's exactly you know what we come to in perimenopause because our bodies start giving us all sorts of signals and we have to become body self-awareness i mean we can just ignore it and medicate it away and everything else but i think what you're talking about and what i'm leading people to is actually the choice of no i'm going to really listen to my body here and that's what the yoga practice can give you Exactly. And I think as a mindfulness practitioner, I think awareness of your self and your and your body and learning to listen to it and what it needs is fundamental. But I hear so many women wanting to, you know, medicate it away, think it'll be fine. And actually, that works only for a certain amount because the body is holding the score and it'll catch up with you somewhere else when we're a absolutely and you know some of these symptoms that the body speaks to us of in the form of sensations in the form of restrictions they might not just be physical yes maybe you had an accident 20 years ago and it's come back to kind of haunt you um or maybe there's a hereditary pattern or whatever but sometimes it's an emotional block and it gets stuck in the shoulder or the hip. Our hips, our pelvises, especially as women, you know, that's that's our basin. That's where we hold the huge amount of emotional um, history in ourselves as well. And so the fact that we have hips and hip replacements and everything else, I, I, I like to look at the psychological aspect of that and say to people, like, get into your hips with your heart. You know, go in there. Just yes, your hip may be sore and everything else, but it's not necessarily only biomechanical. It can also be emotional. No. Well, there's that great book, isn't there? The body yes. holds the score, and of course, it is. It is holding pain in our in the whole of our body, as you say. I used to have terrible hips when I was a girl, but I'd had a lot of difficult times when I was a child but that eased uh, as I got older and was more able to address my emotions so you're absolutely correct I don't have that kind of hip hip pain that I had and so yes I love that I love that we're talking emotion and physical sensations well tell me a little bit more about what really is happening to women's joints then in perimenopause because there is that shift isn't there from maybe you've been fine or you've been ignoring it and then yes and one of the one of the fascinating um, things to watch is so many women who come to my studio for classes who tell me they used to be flexible or they're still exhibiting degrees of what I would call hypermobility in certain areas of the body and then they get applauded for that and they it's like oh well done look how wonderful you can do yoga and i'm pulling them back and saying no 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 you're missing the the, the missing the structure in there because you're kind of floppy and all over the place and if you don't get the structure right then that st- tends to lead to arthritic conditions and pain and discomfort in other areas of the, of the body. So if somebody can do a pose like, ooh, look how far I can bring my leg up. I'm like, ooh, back off, back off. You know? <laughs> yes, you can do that. That's fine. You don't need to practice it then. 
you know, that's the thing. It's like if you can already do something, that's not where you need to practice. So then I'll have them sit in Hero's Pros or Virasana and say, okay, like turn your ankles in, turn your feet in. And they can't do it. Their ankles are blocked and rigid and stiff. And it's like, well, that is where you need to work. So finding the the way through all the different postures that we work through in the system I teach is we're actively looking for restrictions. So we're not applauding the flexibility. We're going, okay, that's wonderful. Yes, great. And where are you stiff? Where is it hurting? Where is the discomfort? Where is the restriction? Let's go there. Let's work there. Yeah. Oh, that's that's fascinating because that is where energy yes. is blocked, in, yes. isn't it? Yes. Prana in, in, in yoga and chi in Chinese systems. Yes, where there's where there's either a lack of movement or there's pain, there is some kind of Absolutely. energy. Absolutely. And you know, just physically, that means circulation doesn't run freely. So what happens is that if there's a block or restriction, the circulation isn't going. So the joint isn't being flushed out. It's as much about bringing new nutrients into the joint as actually taking the old ones out. So actually, you know, taking the toxins. Uh, one way of seeing it is this this is like flossing your joints. It's, you know, it's, it's a daily hygiene. It's like, let's clear up in there. Let's clean up these joints so they stay mobile. Oh, I really, I really love that. I love that idea of kind of flossing your yeah. joints. <laughs> yeah, because, because uh, you're right, because if you're not moving the fluids around, you're not getting a blood supply properly and a supply of energy, which isn't maybe tangible, then, yeah, everything just gets stiffer and stiffer and stiffer. And then once it is like that and it's painful, we don't choose to mm. move it. And what I like to do also is to retrain people's perception of what they see as discomfort or pain. Because very often we're taught to avoid pain. And I've heard so many yoga teachers over the years go, if it hurts, don't go there. And so, which is fine. And I think sometimes the way they teach yoga, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't go there either. However, if you're in a very safe pose, which the, all the poses I do are very minimal on from the outside, very innocent looking, but I hold people in them for a long time. And I'll say, and, you know, time will just, it'll start to show up. The restriction, the lack of circulation, the... The, the sensations in the joint will start to amplify. And in that, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. And so we're retraining the brain to be at ease with a physical sensation, which might not be so comfortable, but we're not immediately going, oh, that hurts and backing off. So that gives more. So then when you stand up and you or you've been sitting at your desk and you stand up and you've got a little bit ache in your back and everything, you're not immediately backing off. So you're training yourself to go, oh, OK, sensation. Yes. How can I move that? And it happens throughout the day that you have this different relationship to what we might label pain. And it becomes a, an engagement with it and a, a good relationship, a healthy relationship with it. So we're more likely to move then 
rather than, oh, don't move, it's painful. Yeah, and then, of course, when we don't move, we, we get stiffer and, um, and then we're in a very That is a really, bad, yeah, it's closed loop. Yeah, it's a close loop. And, and it's very similar to myself. I'm a breathworks mindfulness practitioner and, and chronic pain and, and people with long-term illness, particularly chronic pain sufferers, are kind of core to our practice. And we always say to people, could you just lean mm. into that pain a little mm. bit more? You know, we used to say it's like a bale of hay and a bale of hay does give if you lean into it, and although you think it's fixed and solid. So there yes. are a lot of similarities, probably because they come from similar kind of ancient roots to not re not resist but to move into it and allow to see that it might just give after yeah. a while um, and certainly I don't know in your system but when people do stay with it it sort of eventually dissolves. it does it dissolves well the relationship changes and that's the first thing um, and then you know, and this isn't a quick fix. That's the other problem with with kind of the gym fitness, you know, get fit in six weeks and do this and, you know, lose 10 inches in two minutes. Um, it's not it, it. This is a long term. This is for life. This is, you know, I, I have my dad come to yoga classes. He's 91. My my mum comes to she's 85 and they've been doing yoga with me since I went online in the pandemic. And they, they're, they're in it for life. You know, they're, they're going to be doing the yoga all the way through until they die. And, and I think, you know, and obviously they're closer to death than I imagine I am. Who knows? But still, that, that thing of, yeah, I'm going to be doing yoga when I'm 85. I'm going to be doing yoga when I'm 90. It, like to have a practice, whereas most of the yogas, that's another problem with the current yoga field is that most of the yogas that are taught you wouldn't ever get an 80 year old doing them no no they're much they're much yeah. too strong i mean having been through a range of them if we look at an ashtanga or a jiva mukti yeah. or the power yogas power the yoga, hot yogas oh, i don't even know what that is <laughs> oh i couldn't do hot yoga i did it once i felt so unwell i had to leave <laughs> it just wasn't for me and obviously people hyperextend in the heat they yeah. don't realize that yeah. and because it's not yeah, so it's not sustainable that's it i mean people may stay with these yogas for a good long while you know maybe a number of years um but try and give me someone who's in their 80s or 90s and look at if they're doing yoga what kind of yoga they're doing and that is a sustainable yoga practice yeah. a still fairly minimal um, kind yeah, of yoga that targets really. the joints yes yes indeed i know that in your system you've got this thing called three c's tell me uh, the courage and yes to tell me <laughs> <laughs> courage curiosity and commitment yes Ooh, so nice. the first thing is commitment and that kind of segues nicely from what we were just saying in the sense that you've got to show up nobody can do this work for you you know you can't take a pill you can't go see your doctor you can't even go and lie on your acupuncturist bed you can't go talk to your therapist this is you doing it for you 
And just like you trained yourself to brush your teeth every day, hopefully, (laughs) you... (laughs) You train yourself to do a little bit of yoga. And I say to people, just get your legs up the wall. Lie flat on your, you know, your back will absolutely love the ground. You lie on the ground, you elevate your legs. And that is a yoga pose. You can do that for five minutes every day. That in itself is an incredibly good foundation and start. One of my favorite poses, yes. I would yes. say. <laughs> And and not to be dismissed because it's like, oh, I'm not doing anything. Great, you're not doing anything. That's wonderful. Please stop. So, and then the second uh, C, I would say, of the three, there are actually seven, and I run challenges. There's, I've got a challenge coming up. Well, this podcast probably goes out after it, but I usually run them every, quite regularly. Um, and there's seven, but I'll just say share three today. The second one was curiosity. So this harks back to what we were just saying about if there is a pain or a restriction in the body, can you be curious to meet it with an open mind, not jumping to a conclusion of, oh, I know what this is, and this is what my doctor told me this is, and you know, my mother had this, and we're full of stories about what a body sensation might actually mean. Whereas if you stay present and aware, then in the moment you feel your elbow or your wrist, you feel your shoulder sensation and you just are curious. What is that? Mm. And the curiosity opens the, the ability of the mind to be aware of other things that can come in, of relationships Um, sensations change and move all the time you'll know yourself Clarissa with 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 uh, with pain the closer you get to it with your awareness the more it shifts and the more context it has it doesn't just become this so it's almost the resistance that that creates the block and so the curiosity opens it Yes, and, and I think you're absolutely right that there's a fluidity to our pain. And, and I would say to this is some of the people I've worked with, ooh, their pain is, I didn't know people could have that sort of, gave, most of them are gynecological, and I was like, whoa. But it was interesting that when we work with them, they get to see that there are good days and there are good moments in the day, even though some of them were really Im- almost immobilized yes. by their pain. And that as they had both treatment in various forms and the mindfulness, that pain became, as you said, not only only you know less but more bearable, more livable with. They could see good moments and thought of things like, oh, I could wash up for 10 minutes and stand up here and do that. That's a huge achievement when some people's lives have gone from bed to, to couch and back to bed. And that yes. was their day. Yes. yes. And then the final C, uh, I think I want to say today is courage. And that's something that I think as perimenopausal, menopausal women is, is such a quality of stepping into this next phase of our lives with courage. And you can develop that on the yoga mat because it does take courage to create the time, to put in the commitment, 
to be open to receiving the feedback from your body, it takes courage because you can just carry on in the, you know, the trajectory of, well, I'll just go and watch some telly and I'll, you know, eat a few biscuits and have a nice cup of tea. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's fine. You know, that's one path. There, there is a choice in that. But the choice to be courageous and say, no, you know what? I'm going to embrace the next half of my life and I'm going to be fit to do it. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be mobile. I'm going to keep myself moving. That does take courage. And I, and I, would, I so agree that that. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause. That really does take courage because a lot of um, discussion about, you know, becoming invisible and aging really looked down on. So it takes courage to meet that we are changing and that that is actually something beautiful and new that's happening. But it isn't viewed like that. And, and I think there's courage in meeting our symptoms. Like there's not just courage in meeting the pain ones, but in all of this discomfort that is there. So absolutely yeah. love that courage is one of your yes. seven seeds. Yes. So if someone, you know, a woman is there, she's in perimenopause and she says, oh, I'd like to start yoga. What do you think they should be looking out for? Well, I would say find a quieter, more restorative, like rest restorative or yin yoga are wonderful places to start. The only problem with those um, systems is that they they tend to avoid the pain. So they'll they'll just re-emphasize that not, you know, not getting into it. However, you can find amazing teachers of those practices which will help with the nervous system and and really regulate the system. Find a class, find a teacher, like and don't be shy of trying different teachers. Like just look at in your local area, where are the classes? Go try a few, maybe go back a couple of times. Um, and and just test them out and you'll find the teacher for you because that's it's, it's a, such a an important relationship between the student teacher and um, and I do teach online and I've had a few people join me in the pandemic and you know some people love it because they can stay at home it's on zoom and so I'm accessible worldwide I have students in New Zealand Bermuda uh, down in the states and England. However, you know, some people really want the live class, the in-person thing. So it's important to find the teacher who is is right for you. Yeah, I, I would really say that I can't concur more with you than that, because I think I loved having a teacher. And it takes a long time to find sometimes a good teacher. But I've had a few in my lifetime. <laughs> And and yes, there is a special relationship because that person gets to know something about 
you, your body, where you are on this journey, and they mm. work with you. Which sometimes, and that's why I say I agree with you, Kathy. Don't go to the gym because it's this girl, and they're lovely, but they're twenty years old. They they have a different trajectory than we do in in perimenopause. We've got a lot more life in our bodies that we've carried with us. We may well have birthed children. We've got potential injuries. We're going through a lot. And so I find finding a teacher that doesn't stand in front of you and do lots of beautiful poses, but actually teaches. And, I, and I, you know, yeah. that is that has been for me personally a fantastic I mean, when people come to my classes, they're always there. surprised. They say, where, where are you going to be? And I said, oh, I'm walking around. I don't have a mat when I teach a class because I'm far more interested in you and what you're doing than you looking at me. That's not important. No, that that I feel is is so I feel so heartwarmed when you said that, because that has always been that your teacher is then working with you, working with your body, helping us to adjust and feel our bodies and 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 i've said the best teachers i've had yeah. do exactly yeah. that. and also be mindful of adjustments around. because i never adjust students um verbally i'll tell them to make adjustments but i won't put my hands on and adjust yeah. students unless i've worked with them for at least two years because of yeah. safety issues yeah. In terms of, I don't know what that shoulder's doing. I have to watch that shoulder week in, week out. And then I'll go, okay, Jane, you know, Jane, I've worked with for two years. I'm going to come over and put my hands on you because I'm just going to move this a little bit. And that's taken that length of time to adjust. So if you're in a class where a teacher comes up and starts moving your ankle or your leg or whatever, just woo. I just very kindly just say, could you, could you not back? Not, please don't adjust me. Um, just yet and I wouldn't go back no, to that teacher I don't, I've actually. never no and I've never liked teachers actually no. to push you you know some teachers you're bending forward and they push you yeah. and you're like mm. yeah yeah <laughs> please yeah. don't do that it's it's I don't feel safe because you don't exactly. always feel safe do you Kathy when people do that so really what you're saying is find a quiet yoga studio um, find teachers that teach rather than yes. demonstrate yes exactly and regularity and i would say twice a week if you can Uh, that's or you know have have an hour in this in the studio with your teacher and then do your own practice at home for at least an hour and that's that's the minimum and if you can't do a whole hour then break it up like do 10 minutes you know in the mornings um do one posture for 10 minutes and, and and do it that way a little bit every day Wow. And and you're getting obviously tremendous results with this um, type of yoga. Yes. Yes. I mean, I just actually a friend, a friend, she's become a friend because I teach her, but um, I've never actually met her in person. She joined me in the pandemic. She just wrote me a testimonial and she said, Kathy, do you realize I, I wasn't able to go to my chiropractor during the pandemic because everything went into lockdown. And then when I was, I didn't need to because I've been working with you. So she was going for almost weekly chiropractic adjustments. And now those, now she, her, her back is stable. She has that um, awareness and she's not in pain. 
She occasionally gets twinges, you know, it's not all linear. Sometimes you do have setbacks and that's fine. Yeah. But we work with them and she yoga does it for her. That's phenomenal. I love that's just the best to end on a note like that and sort of encourage our listeners to explore yoga more. Kathy, how can people get hold of the work that you do? Maybe join one of your classes. Yes. Well, I would say go to my website, uh, www.kathywhiteyoga.com. So Kathy with a K, kathywhiteyoga.com uh, forward slash seven C. And that's the seven C's of which I, I, I've discussed three today. And if the uh, challenge is on, then you'll be able to sign up for the next challenge. It'll be posted. And if it's not on, you'll be able to sign up for the wait list and you'll get notification of when the next challenge is coming. That is brilliant. We're putting that in the show notes. You encourage me to join up for a challenge now. <laughs> I've lost my yoga teacher because she lives in a different city now and she doesn't teach online. So yeah. That would be lovely to have you there, Clarissa. <laughs> I'd love to. Kathy, thank you so much for coming in and sharing a snapshot of your approach to yoga, which you know is so beneficial to women. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you, Clarissa, for all the work you're giving to disseminate all this information for people, women our age.